Just a heads up, this episode features sexual content, so you may want to put in your headphones to listen to this one. You may have heard the term F.U. money, which simply means a stash of cash in which you can do whatever you want. Sure, you can buy that gold-plated water dish for your gerbil, but it can be more serious than that. Take Ashley. She's a former warfare service officer in the Navy who got out, but not before saving some F.U. money. During that time, she got accepted into Yale, deferred her acceptance, and traveled to parts of Africa and Italy for almost a year. Sounds great, right? Wrong. I ended up reporting it, but I definitely didn't do it for him or for anyone. I did it so I could sleep at night, so I could look myself in the mirror, because it was ruining my life. It was ruining my biological, physiological functions. I wasn't sleeping. I was eating weird. I was crying in the middle of the day. People don't report because they're trying to get back at someone. They're doing it because they just want some shot of fairness and equality and justice. And they just want to say, I didn't get that. To give you some context, Ashley didn't have what you call an easy time during her stint in the Navy. There were three incidents that happened before she left. Two of them involved some form of sexual harassment that, well, left her in the state that she just described. All this to say, F.U. money is to buy your life back. Sounds a bit dramatic? Ashley doesn't think so. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar with me, Sarah Lee Kane, a show where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Ashley Evans, a certified nurse midwifery student at the Yale School of Nursing, comes on the show to chat about how she is thankful for the money that she had to help her cope with what had happened during her time in the Navy. She talks about exactly what happened, why she's so thankful for that community that helped her get better with finances, and whether or not she feels she'll ever have closure over what had happened. Before we start, I want you to know that there are no cut and dry answers when it comes to money management. That's why it's important for you to dial in on your values and use that as your guide. I have a free values-based spending guide that walks you through some juicy questions and how you can start using them to allocate your money. To grab it, head over to beyondthedollar.co slash values. All right, get ready, grab a seat, and let's go Beyond the Dollar. Ashley, welcome to Beyond the Dollar. Let's start with what was your position in the Navy and what were some of the things that you had experienced during your time there that made you feel uncomfortable or made you feel like you couldn't really speak up? So position-wise, I'll just talk about my last job. I was the electronics material officer, EMO. That's normally a warrant officer or a limited duty officer job. And the reason why that's relevant is because this is a job that is reserved for some of the most senior oldest people in the Navy, which means they know the equipment, they know the material, they were the techs, and then they became officers. And now they teach younger people how to do the job as well. So I filled this position as a college graduate straight into the Navy. I was still in my 20s. I'm still in my 20s now. And those are some of the factors that fed into why I think I took everything so passively that happen. I think when you are still young in the Navy, right, you are scared to go against the culture. My opinion personally is like the police force, healthcare, the military all have the same problematic kind of 
system where it's something is wrong and people are scared to speak up. And what happened to me really isn't an exception to that. Like it was the same situation where I didn't advocate for myself like I should have. And no one is going to risk their pension to advocate for me. I've had this faith in everybody's integrity, you know, like I think we all do as humans, you want to say that good is always going to prevail, that right is always going to prevail. And I don't feel like that is what happened. That caught me off guard. So tell me about some of the incidents that you remember the most. Okay. This is still not easy to talk about. Honestly, because when it happens, it always comes back on you. Like I was always considered the problem. I remember one time I had this boss and my mom is an 06 in the military and she was dating another 06 and he knew the 06 my mom was dating. And he was like, Oh, so like he's, he's banging your mom. And this is, this is at work. Like, this is at work. This is in front of people. Like, what do you say to that? Like, what do you, like, what, what am I supposed to do with that? So I let that go. And then I went on liberty. And what that means is when your ship pulls into a foreign country, your ship pulls into port and your CEO say like, okay, you know, we've been on the ship. I don't want anyone getting in trouble. I don't want anyone getting too rowdy. I'm going to give you guys liberty buddies. You have to stick with your Liberty Buddy while you're off the ship. And my Liberty Buddy had a friend in Canada. He invited us over. We ate pizza. My boss was like, so you were the present of the night. So he brought you to his friend's house as the present. And I didn't get it at the time because that's just such a weird thing to say. But my Liberty Buddy and my boss were Greek affiliated. And I guess it's like a part of Greek culture where girls will come over like there's like a present situation where girls will come over as present. And I didn't report it until months later, but I was very, very close to getting out of the Navy at that time, like four weeks from leaving. I would say, honestly, this is when I would say a new Ashley was born. It was a turn of a new leaf. So in August of 2018, I didn't make it to department head. So we have like milestones that we have to meet in school. And I didn't make the milestone for department head school. And there was this huge frenzy. And I'm like, this is my chance to start a new life. Like, wait a second, this may be a great opportunity. So I'm getting excited while there's like this fire around me, you know, and it takes a year from putting your paperwork in saying, hey, I'm getting out to actually getting out. So the 12 month process. And I decided to apply to Yale that year. That situation of deciding that I was getting out is when I said, okay, I need to work on me. I need to get ready to be this new person. I sold my car. I started borrowing friends' cars. So shout out to those friends. I started riding my bike to work. I paid off all my debt. I got a roommate. So I paid off like $30,000. And then I saved up $15,000. So when we get to July, I have $15,000 in cash. I'm debt-free. I don't have a car. I sold one of my houses for about $90,000 profit. I'm like prepared to start this new life, right? I got into Yale. So everything's kind of lining up in a row. And then three incidents happen. So the joke about me being a present, we hit another ship, which is what brought this boss in my life in the first place, because my first boss was fired after we hit the ship. And then that same boss that made that joke, I asked the sailor if he thought one of his jokes was inappropriate. He said no, so I dropped it. But then the CEO got word that I asked if he thought this joke was inappropriate and he kicked me off the ship for conspiring to report him. He also said I couldn't go to Yale, so I had to defer that year. Why did he say you can't go to Yale? Like, Was that something that he could actually prevent? 
Yes. The Navy works in the, the way I translate it for a civilian world is like PTO versus quitting your job. So when you get out of the Navy, you have terminal leave. And my plan was to start terminal leave August 3rd, 2019. School started August 19th, 2019. And then my official separation date was August 31st. So from August 3rd to August 31st, that terminal leave is like paid time off. And then August 31st is like, I'm done. So you can tell up to August 31st, you can deny my paid time off. You can't after the 31st, but before then I'm still yours. What happened was when we hit a ship, my first boss was fired and this new boss was flown on. When that happened, we were in Montreal. This was a brand new ship that we were sailing down for commissioning. Stakes were very high. It is not every day that a Navy ship crashes. It is a very surreal experience. So when he gets flown onto the ship, he's like, I have three people who I trust to drive this ship. I'm not going to let you leave to go to school when I don't know if I have what I need to even run the ship, which makes sense. What ended up happening was he said, I can let you go August 16th. I'll let you leave. School started August 19th. And it put me into this position of, am I going to just try to start school and move and find a place to live and get all my stuff there in three days? Or am I going to defer? Okay, so he kicked you off the ship. So that was August 16th, right? That was August 9th. It was exactly seven days before the 16th. Okay. And so he did that because he said you were conspiring to report me and cause trouble? And you know what, Sarah, I think that's the funniest part about it is after I had traveled about three months later, I had a nervous breakdown and I did report it. I reported the sexual harassment. I reported the fact that I felt like I was being reprised against and nothing happened. And I think if I had reported it back then in August, nothing would have happened then. Every female in the Navy knows how the Navy works. It is harder on us because we get stereotyped. We get stigmatized. It's harder on me than it is on them. When I was on the ship, you called me a present. You made jokes about my mom's sex life. So I ended up reporting it. I definitely didn't do it for him or for anyone. I did it so I could sleep (laughs) at night. So I could look myself in the mirror because it was ruining my life. It was ruining my biological, physiological functions. I wasn't sleeping. I was eating weird. I was crying in the middle of the day. People don't report because they're trying to get back at someone. They're doing it because they just want some shot of fairness and equality and justice. And they just want to say, I didn't get that. When you were saying like, I couldn't sleep, I didn't leave, like, was this when you were traveling as well? Yeah, so we get to August 31st. I moved my stuff up to Yale, New Haven, Connecticut, deferred for a year, put it in storage, go to my mom's house in Washington, D.C., and I bought a one-way ticket to South Africa for 184 bucks. And then I had 100 something dollars worth of point, and I got it for 184 and I flew from D.C. to Qatar, and then from Qatar or Qatar to South Africa, stayed in Johannesburg for a night and then traveled the four corners of the Zambezi, which is Namibia, Namibia, Botswana, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. Seriously had a blast. Went home because I got a cold. 
And then I went back three months later, flew into Spain. And then from Spain, I went to Morocco. And I started acting really weird in Morocco. There was this girl who I met through a mutual friend. And we were hanging out, hanging out, hanging out. And then as I got closer to November, I just started freaking out. Just these very strong and very intense self-deprecating thoughts. And it started culminating into me not leaving the room in Morocco. And then when I finally left Marrakesh, I flew to Naples, Italy, and all hell broke loose. I couldn't be awake without having panic attacks. And I remember messaging someone, two people, and both of them were like, you're really starting to scare me, Ashley. And my friend Ebony was like, I think we've reached the point where I'm going to micromanage the hell out of you. She's like, I'll call you at 8 a.m. You're going to schedule an appointment with mental health. And if you don't, I will call you at 9 a.m. And then at 10 a.m. until you schedule it. So I ended up going with better help. I and mean, it really helped slay those dragons and, and cut down those demons. And I remember her saying, Ashley, you talk about all the mean things that people said to you while you're in the Navy, but now you don't need them to say it to you. Now you just say it to yourself. And I just remember grappling with How do you talk to yourself when you're no longer part of an organization that feeds you what to think about yourself? And I never asked myself that question before. I'm still struggling with the answer. I still don't know what that answer is. It's a really powerful question. I love that. I mean, I honestly don't know what it's like to be in the Navy or the military, anything like that. But I feel like for many people, if they're in a toxic corporate situation, it's kind of the same thing. And listeners, if you have stories, please share with me. Hello, be on the dollar.co. I would love to hear it. I do want to talk about the role money really played into this. And then we can talk about the sense of closure maybe that you felt after reporting all that. So you had the $15,000 that you decided to go traveling. And so if you didn't have that space or the finances, like let's say you were still in debt because you mentioned you paid off $30,000 debt, you really accelerated a lot of the financial situations that could have held you back. Like, you, Do you feel like All of those things allowed you to really breathe a sigh of relief and be like, okay, now I can get better help. Now I can go travel. Now I can have that time to process exactly what had happened. This was the first thought that I had when everything had went down was fire saved my life. I cannot overstate that. I I genuinely can't. Fire saved my life because there was another girl who was in the exact same situation. She went to University of Florida Law School and I got into Yale. She really, really wanted to stay in the Navy. And she was in the same situation as me. We both went to the same exact ship, which was a type of ship that their pipelines just aren't good for naval careers. So we both got told, hey, you're probably not going to go to school because of the reasons that I told you. We hit a ship. The CEO was like, I really need you guys to stay. No, you can't go to school. The difference was when I heard, no, we can't go to school. I was, that's terrible. Don't get me wrong. I was like, WTF, mate. But I was able to make the decision like, I have options. You know what? I can't go to school, but I'll go to South Africa. I will be okay. When we were planning on going to school, we had GI benefits. GI benefits also give you a monthly stipend. So it wasn't just we were going to school. This was our income. This was supposed to be how we feed ourselves. That was supposed to pay her mortgage. I have tenants in my house. So my house was okay. I had just sold a house for 90000 I had those options. She was like, how am I supposed to pay my mortgage? What am I supposed to do for a year? This was four weeks before school started. 
So it's not like we had three, four months to job search to get resumes together. She was like, I'm going to school. There's no not going to school. It would be disastrous. There's no other way. I cannot feed myself if I don't go to school. So just for clarification, I know if you've stuck around beyond the dollar for a while, you know what FIRE means. But just for clarification, it means financial independence, retire early. So you optimize your finances in a way that it can give you options, basically what Ashley just described here. It's so interesting when people talk about money, they talk about the numbers and get very into the spreadsheets or the budgeting apps or whatever it is that they use. But at the end of the day, it's really a way to benefit yourself like emotionally, it can be spiritually, it can even be health wise. I think I'm just going to make these assumptions is that because of this money, you're able to get help with your mental health, you're able to go travel, you didn't have to worry about feeding yourself like this other person, right? Because if let's say you were in that mental state and went to school and dealing with the aftermath of what's going on, I I don't know, like, do you feel like if that was your situation that you could have really found any closure in what had happened? I think about this. And I think that's why I'm as of late, my personal belief right now is if you are financially independent and you have retired and you have these options, it is so crucial that we advocate for the people who don't. I get teary-eyed when I think about what would have happened without the FIRE community. I don't know if I would be here. I really, I genuinely don't. If I couldn't afford any mental health service, I don't, I don't think so. I really don't. When I think about people who don't have those options, who have no advocacy, who have no access to mental health help, who have no choice but to just take it at their jobs because they are living hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck. No one should have to live like that because we are too apathetic to speak up for them. I mean, just the simple fact of making your workplace less toxic, just speaking up when you see someone being sexually harassed or someone being kicked off their ship. And no one asked me what happened. Not a single person, not a single person asked me what happened if I was okay. Not one. And that's okay. Cause I'm okay. Right? Like I'm the person that you can do that to because I can buy a business class ticket out of Britain flying from Namibia. But for those who can't, Oh my God, why are we okay with that? And I think the fire community, the people who can do something about it, I think we could have a lot of really good impact. Nurses who are fired, you know, you can change the maternal morbidity crisis. Police officers who are fired, need I say more? Same thing with the military. If you are fired, you have the ability to prevent another Ashley Evans. Or if you don't think I deserve it, you know someone who did deserve advocacy, who did deserve justice, and they did not get it. You can do something about that. Yeah, that's that's so powerful. I think money in that sense is, is very political as much as it is personal, right? You can use it to say, well, just as an example, like, okay, well, I'm not afraid of getting fired. I'm not afraid of repercussions because I have this power, right, which comes in the form of having money. I can then use that to stand up for causes or rights or people like advocate for people that I I feel like that need that. So to bring it back to your story, I really want to talk about the idea of closure. Do you feel like after you reported it, nothing happened? Like you said, what was that? Like, was there some way that you got closure in that sort of chapter? Or or is that not happened yet? I don't know. I would assume not because this is still not easy for me to talk about. 
I still feel like at any point there are going to be consequences for speaking about this. I'm still waiting for the day that someone comes and says, I'm going to get her back. She's going to pay for this. I'm scared that people are going to see this as me trying to get revenge for what happens. But really what I want is to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, Ashley, you did what you could to prevent it to happening to someone else. I don't know if closure. I don't know. I really don't. The jury's still out on the closure thing. It's okay if I don't get it. It doesn't really make a difference to me. What I only want is for someone to say, you helped me. And I don't know if I'll ever get that either, but at least I can say I tried. And hopefully somebody listening to this will take what you said to heart and hopefully help them. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure's all mine. Always a pleasure talking to you, Sarah. You can learn more about Ashley at ashleyevans.com. So that's spelled A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H-E-V-A-N-S.com. She's also on Instagram at Ashley Evans. Coming up next, I debrief my conversation with Ashley and how you can use money to advocate for yourself as well as other people. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ashley. So appreciate her coming on to just speak so candidly and honestly about what was going on. And If you've stuck around with Beyond the Dollar for a while, you would know that the mission around here is to talk about money in a way that benefits our entire lives. We're looking at a more holistic vision of money, so to speak. And so if you're new around here, it really means how to use money to better your mental health, your physical health, spiritual health, and you know all those things. And so if we can take anything from Ashley's story is that she got out of debt, she saved up the $15,000, she sold her house for ninety, and was able to essentially take that year off after she left the Navy and really tend to her mental health, to really grapple with what had happened during her time there. It sounds like, oh, so much easier said than done. I understand that. I really do. It doesn't have to be specific to what Ashley did or what you did doesn't have to be specific to what Ashley did. It could even just be having a couple extra dollars in your bank account or your checking account or whatever that is to give you that sense where you're like, okay, I have a little bit more control or autonomy over my situation or life, right? And so if we want to extend that idea of using money to advocate for yourself, maybe it can be having a couple thousand dollars set aside so that if something happens at your job, maybe it's a really toxic work environment, whatever it is, you can be like, I am taking a stand, I am prioritizing myself and I'm going to quit. I have some money in the meantime before I look for another job or while I'm looking for another job. So it's really how money is used to really advocate for yourself. Think of it as a form of power, right? Like you don't have to rely on someone else to give you a paycheck because you need to take that time or that space to really tend to yourself. And in terms of advocating for other people, you can talk about it in a much broader political sense. If you are in the U.S. in 2020, you will know that there's, a, gosh, so many things going on. You can donate to causes that you care about, all of those things, right? In a much more, I would say, micro sense, in a smaller sense, it can mean spending money at a local business. So maybe you can go to a coffee shop that's run by your neighbor, for example, other than going to Starbucks. It can be prioritizing going to businesses that are black owned instead of 
going to a big chain, for example. It could just be really little things like that. Because ultimately, money is really a combination of a lot of outside factors, of course, but it's also a combination of you be able to use your voice. Again, that sense of power, that sense of advocacy for yourself or for other people. And so why not put money where your values are? right? If you really value something and you have the means to put money towards those things that matter to you, why not do it? It's almost like you have a sense of responsibility to do it. Don't you have a responsibility for yourself to advocate for yourself, to look after yourself? And then when you can do that, you can look after other people. Because if you do, it just makes the world a better place. It could benefit you, your children, all of the people that come after you. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share with a friend. This is the best way to help share the mission of what we're doing around here at Beyond the Dollar. If you want to talk with me a little bit further, you can slide into my DMs or leave a comment on anyone I post on Instagram at Beyond the Dollar. So again, thank you for listening. And until next time, please keep living beyond the dollar. Next time on Beyond the Dollar. One late night around 11 p.m. or midnight, there was a really bad thunderstorm. And my husband and I were watching TV indoors. Really bad thunderstorm happened and we heard a few loud strikes. One of those strikes turned off our television set. And so we decided it was probably time to go to bed. My husband woke me up probably about 45 minutes later, informing me that He was awoken by a glow outside our window and he had noticed that our carport was on fire and he urged us to evacuate immediately.